Here we go. It's uh, in the presence of your sin. In the presence of your sin is the topic today. Romans chapter 6 and 23. Here's what it says. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus and only through Jesus. Oprah said there's many ways to get to heaven, but there's only one, to, one way to get to heaven. Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, you must be what? Born again. If you're not saved in this place today, then you have to get saved. Now, let's talk about this. For the wages of sin is death. So when you define wages, it is a fixed regular payment, typically paid on a daily or a weekly basis. So what happens is, when we sin, there is a withdrawal that is made out of heaven to cover that sin. There's a withdrawal that's taken from heaven. Understand something, get this out of your head. People say that God bankrupt heaven to send Jesus. No, he didn't. Because Jesus ain't poor, God ain't poor, you ain't supposed to be poor, pardon my grammar. And so... God supplies every need according to his riches and glory. Don't shout me down now. So he says here, he said, so if there is a wage, the wages of sin, then if there's a wage for it, then there has to be a withdrawal to pay it. And that was paid at Calvary. But there's a never-ending blood supply of Jesus because we're covered by the blood atonement. So when that withdrawal was made because of sin, because of the title of the message is in the presence of sin, then heaven for your salvation account. So basically, you know, you have an account for this, you have a vacation account, you have this kind of account. <coughs> well, there is a salvation account. And there's withdrawals made. And thank God for His grace. But what we have to do within our lives is we have to, Stop making withdrawals from this account. <clears throat> stop walking and, start, and stop using our grace card because we have it. And we think, well, because we have grace, we can still live like the devil. And that's not what that's all about. The Bible does not say, it doesn't say when you sin. It says if you sin. Good country word, ifen. If you sin, you have an advocate with the Father, not when you sin. <coughs> now, every day, everybody has goals. I have goals, you have goals. These are things that I want to accomplish in this day. Sinning is not one of them, nor should it be. But what happens is, people say, well, I'm not perfect. It's got nothing to do with being perfect. You got to get that out of your head about being perfect. What it is, is we have to walk in all the knowledge that God has given us. And when we walk in all the knowledge that he has given us, then that will cause us to go to a place of maturity that will tell us and keep us from sinning and doing the things that we've done for years. Has anybody in the house ever repented for the same sin? Sure you have. Because you can't seem to get victory over it. But what happens is, the reason why we sin is because we don't think 
that God can deliver us. We don't think he can fix it. We don't think that he can help us. And we think it's a secret. And God doesn't know anything about it. The problem with the church today is there's a lot of sin within the church. And, and, and yes, we can walk in grace, but, but just because I'm the pastor doesn't mean I have to have an affair with the piano player. Although that's me. But I could tell you horror stories of things like that that happen where preachers are in bed with the song leader or, the, or this person or that person. Look, it's time for the church to quit looking like the world and smelling like the world. God paid for our sins at the cross, and we need to leave him there. In James chapter 1, 14 and 15, here's what it says. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away from his own lust and enticed. The, the New Living Translation says, temptation call, comes from our own desires, which entices us to drag us away. So when you think about temptation, who tempts us? God doesn't tempt us. God does not tempt you and me. All right? But what happens is, is we put ourselves in situations within, within our lives that causes us to be tempted. It's not God's fault, and it's not the devil's fault. Well, the devil tempted me. Well, if we have the same power, and I've been, I've been chewing on this for about the past two or three, uh, th two or three weeks, that I literally, inside of me, if you peeled me apart, Right now, and you looked inside of me, you would see the Trinity. If you look inside of you that is saved in the house, you have the Trinity inside of you. The fourth part of the Trinity is my accountant. The third part of the Trinity is the Holy Ghost. So you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost inside of us. So what seems to be the problem here? What seems to be the problem? Why can't we seem to get it right? Well, I'm not perfect. It's got nothing to do with being perfect. It's got everything to do about obedience. Now, preacher, you saying you don't have anything that hangs you up? Let me tell you something. Anything that tries to hang me up, I don't go and let it hang me. I got to get out of it. You got to get away from it. Here's what verse 15 says. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it has finished, brings forth death. New Living Translation says, these desires give birth to sinful actions. And then sin is allowed to grow, and then it gives birth. What, what happens, and I wrote this down as a statement, your sin grows up, it develops, but it wants more and more and more. And then what you have done is you've allowed sin to grow up and develop into a monster inside of you. And you allowed it. But I can tell you, you can fix it. It's a monster 
So you, for, for a child to, to, to be born, you have to have a seed. And that seed comes from the man. Well, remember in the scripture that I just read you, that in James chapter 1 and 14, and, and then on, on to 15, when lust conceives. So it all starts with a thought. And then, and that's the seed. And then it conceives because you put it where it's not supposed to be. And then it grows. You know, there's a song, there's a scripture. I preached a sermon on this a long time ago. Uh, and Jesus told the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he said, you're creating people that are worse than what you are. Johnny Paycheck said it well. The only hell my mama ever raised. We're raising, we're raising the next generation. Preachers from the pulpit, Hollywood from the pulpit, people living in sin and like the devil, they're raising the next generation. And we have to reverse that. When sin grows up, it develops, and it wants more, and it wants more, and it wants more. You know, it's just like, um, it's just like marijuana. People say that marijuana is a gateway drug that leads to uh, another drug. See, it's like you start off this, then, you, then it has to go to that because that, that doesn't meet the need. So then you have to go to something else, and that doesn't meet the need. And then next thing you know, you're in full-fledged trouble. And, and not only with drugs, but it, it's also with, uh, with many different things. You know, it's like we pick on, and I'm going to talk about some of this here in just a few minutes, but we tick on, pick on drugs and alcohol and, 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 and sexual addiction, and we, uh, we talk about all that. But we don't talk about the little sins, gossip. But that's a little sin, right? It's like, that's a big sin. You know, drugs, alcohol, sex, that's a big sin. No, there is no category of sin. It's all sin. You know, I hear many times people say, well, if I can just quit smoking, drinking, and cussing, I'll come to Jesus. Why is it always those three? If you're not careful then it will take over your life and destroy you. Why? Because that's what it says. It says that when sin is finished, it brings forth death. The monster that you have allowed to be created in you, that you have birthdays with, that you uh, go on vacation with, that you have Thanksgiving with, that you have Christmas with, will destroy you if you're not careful. And I'm telling you, it's the truth. I've seen it. I've seen it more times, more times in people's lives, and you just can't. <clears throat> Let me give you an example. If we, if we talk about some of, the, some of the big sins, then why don't we talk about some of the little sins, like laziness, deception, uh, I wrote down a manipulation, arrogance, Hate, it's all sin, people. It's not just, there's no big sin and no little sin. It's all sin. 
And this is what God wants us to be delivered in. Now, understand something, that since I got saved, I was 11 years old when I was saved in the Cross Lanes United Methodist Church. I know that's a, kind of an oxymoron that somebody got saved. Yep, I did. I got saved in a Methodist church. It's the truth. And there wasn't any 12 verses of just as I am. There wasn't uh, an altar call. I, just, I was sitting in the pew, and I looked at my mom, and I said, Jesus is calling me. And I accepted. And I talked to Jesus. And I shared a lot of things with him. And then there were times that, there were times you can ask my family that they thought I was going nuts because I'm locked in my room. And Pastor Jay shared this on one of the podcasts one time. Uh, you know, because I wouldn't go out with my friends. I wouldn't go, I wouldn't hardly do anything. But I was sitting, soaking in God's word. And the same thing, and that crazy happened to Pastor Jay when he was called into the ministry. Stuck in our room. My friends thought that I was so spiritual that I was no earthly good anymore. That I'd become charismatic. But, but you can't walk in laziness and deception and manipulation and arrogance and hate. You know, there, you, you just can't. But that day that I got saved, the Spirit of God came inside of me. Not the spirit of Beelzebub, not the devil, but God. God's spirit that trumps and overcomes Satan's spirit is inside of me. The problem with sin, the reason why people sin is they can't get the revelation of who they are. If you could get the revelation of who you are in Christ, and I'm not talking about on the arrogant side, but let me tell you something. People will tell you that because you are in this flesh, you have to sin, and you don't. It is a choice. It is a choice whether you sin or not. Christy and I were at the gym last night, yesterday evening, and they have a stair-stepper there that I hate. I hope the thing's broke tomorrow when I go there. But it's my choice whether I get on it or not. You know, it's my choice whether I stop by McDonald's and get a Big Mac, or I go to Taco Bell and get a bean burrito, which is all protein and less fattening. It's a choice. It's a choice whether... You have vacation time or not, and you choose to go to Winston or not with us, or you choose to, to, to go to Winfield at some point, or you choose to work within this church. It's a choice. Just make sure it's God's choice. Is this helping any of us today? Let me move on. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20. What? That's how it starts. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. Ho, 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 there it is. Right there. That's it. You ever go to an auction? Hey, ho. Don't scratch your nose, you'll buy something. That's what it says. <clears throat> know ye not that, the, that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. If you're saved, the Holy Ghost is inside of you. Stop calling him an it. And, he, and it 
And him is not a she. It's a him. The Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, they get along. I remember Sam and I hunting on his property, which I'm very grateful that he does. And it was getting dark one night, and we were getting ready to come out of the woods, and we look over, and there's three does fighting. Remember that, Sam? Three does fighting. And Sam and I looked at each other and said, if those were bucks, they wouldn't be fighting, but there's three does. Why can't three does get along? Two is fine, but you add the third one, there's always trouble. Knowing that we have the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is inside of us, which ye have of God. And here's the next thing. And ye are not your own. I, I saw this woman one time, and it was in an abortion clinic. I got to fix this. She was standing out in front of an abortion clinic, and they were talking to her about Jesus and about not doing that. And I have, friend of, I have friends of mine that work in South America at abortion clinics. Uh, we paid the electric bill, just bear with it. And so... This one, this one woman said, well, it's my body. I can do what I want to with it. Really? Well, then scratch that scripture out of your Bible. Because according to this, I'm not my own. I can't do what I want to do. I have to obey God. Now, you, you may ask yourself this question. You know, do you, do you want to take it to the extent of, of praying when you need to go on vacation and praying when you, you need to um, uh, you go to the grocery store and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, it's okay to do that because you can be protected from an accident. The, see, the word spirit-led, led by the Spirit of God, that has to be us. We cannot do our will. We cannot have our way. It has to be his way. So he says we're not our own. So verse 20 says, For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Hmm. So why do we glorify our bodies with sin? Why do we do that? Because what you have to be careful is that there is a spiritual manifestation of sin. Example. Guilt. Shame. Regret. You know, when you sin, you have guilt, shame, and regret that weighs heavy on your mental and your emotional well-being. Can cause heart trouble. Can cause your body to, to, to do things wrong and do things that it's not supposed to do. So there's a spiritual manifestation of, of, of sin, which is what I just shared with you. But then there's a, a physical manifestation of sin. Sin can also have physical consequences such as stress, related illnesses, substance abuse, 
self-destructed behavior. Sin can take you and will take you farther than you ever want to go. So let me ask you something. If somebody, somebody is going through a trial or somebody's going through a struggle, one of the first things a lot of times what they'll do, especially if they're not saved, they'll head for the liquor store and they'll drink it off or they'll start drinking. It's like, why do people do that? It's like, why do people turn to, 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 to things like that but won't turn to God? Or there are also Christians that will also turn to that stuff because they just feel like that God has left them and they can't seem to cope. It's amazing to me the people that have trouble coping in life. I, I was talking to some people the other day and this, this, this lady is, is pretty young and she had a meltdown over something that I thought was stupid. Like, why would you have a meltdown over that? But people don't have coping mechanisms like they used to. You know, it used to be, you know, when you took a test, you took a test, you, you were nervous about it. Now there's test anxiety. You know, it, it used to be before a ball game, before a ball game, you know, you were excited or you were excited before, you know, before something happened and you're excited about this and, and, and now it's turned into anxiety. I remember when the school uh, was moving out of the, uh, out of the, uh, the, uh, the building down there, uh, there were some old dictionaries that were in the school. And I, on purpose, got an old dictionary and got a new dictionary. And I started looking up some of the words that people use today, like anxiety. It wasn't in the old dictionary back in the 70s, but it's in the, the, the most recent, you know. It's like, it's like the devil has created new things to, to get you to think that, well, I have this, or, well, I have that. Let me, can, I, can I help you here? Like Ross Perot used to say, hey, can, can, can I tell you, Larry? That's what he used to tell Larry King. Can I, can I tell, tell you? Those who remember Ross Perot. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Why do you own things? When you watch TV, it's like, this is what I take for my depression. Because I own it. It's mine. I'm proud of it. This is what I take for my. It's my. Let me tell you something. I will never claim any sickness on my body. Because it's not mine. And God didn't give it to me. God does not make people sick. I don't know where that came from. And let me tell you something else. While I'm on my soapbox and I'm going to really go to metal here, just a little, I'm really going to metal right here. Because people die. Now, you know, people are going to die. And, and I'm with it. People in my family, people in our church, people, people die. But I believe 
you can rush your death. And just because you're dead, now listen to this, just because you're dead doesn't mean you were done. It doesn't mean that you were done. Well, it just happened to be their time. Oh, yeah? How do you know? It, it had to be their time to go. Now, I don't believe that. Now, yes, there are, there are times that it was their time. But let me give you, let me give you some examples. I talked about drinking, drugs, food, video games. Talked about all that. People can be hooked on all that. All right. Let me ask you something. Why do people overeat when they're stressed? Why do people overeat when they're stressed? You know why? Because they need a coping mechanism. You have to have a coping mechanism. When you can't deal with something, you have to have a coping mechanism. Well, as you mature in your walk, your coping mechanism should be Jesus. And you don't have far to look for him because he's right here. The Trinity is inside of us. Now let me give you some examples here. Some of you all that are here used to smoke. Some of you may still do. And I don't know who smokes and who doesn't. That's not my, that's not my thing. All right? But let me give you a couple things that may help you. Sometimes people smoke because it's a mechanism of relieving stress. Can everybody agree? All right? Basically, what smoking is, is Dad, Dad and Nellie brought their big truck out here today. Some of you all have big trucks. Here's what I want you to do. I want Dad to go out and start the car, and you go out and you stick your mouth on the exhaust pipe while he revs the engine. Hello? <laughs> All right. I've already deep in it, so here we go. Wouldn't be the first time. Won't be the last. Don't be offended. I'm trying to help you. Every cigarette that you smoke shortens your life 11 minutes. Every cigarette that you smoke limit, uh, shortens your life 11 minutes. Every Big Mac you eat lengthens your life 11 minutes because you can't wait to get to the next one. One pack of cigarettes reduces your lifespan 3.5 hours. There are 8,760 hours in a year. Get that. How many did I say? 8,000. 760 hours in a year. Three packs of cigarettes reduces your lifespan 10.5 hours. 
When you take three packs of cigarettes a day, that's times 365, which is that's how many days are in a year. That is 3,832 hours that you have, as Archie Bunker would say, you flushed it down the pot. You've lost 3,832 hours of seeing your children grow up. You've lost 3,832 hours of being able to do God's will. There are people today that have died because of, of obesity, because of smoking, because of drinking, and it wasn't their time. The reason why I want to live long is I don't want my kids to spend my insurance money. Eight minutes on that stair stepper yesterday, I was rebuking the devil the whole time. Speaking in tongues, the lady beside of me didn't know what I was saying. Oh God, help me. So if you take, now think of this. If there are 8,760 hours in a year and you blow 3,832 hours, that means you've lost them. You've lost those hours. That leaves 4,927 hours for you to obey God. And you can't tell me that you enjoy spending money on it. I'm not meddling on people who smoke. I'm not meddling on people who drink. I'm not meddling on this. I want to see you fulfill God's will. I want to see you walk in the newness of God. I want to see you being obedient to God and not allowing the devil to rob you of hours. I'm not talking about years. I'm talking about hours in your life. But the reason why I drink is because I'm stressed. The reason why I smoke is because I'm stressed. The reason why I overeat is because I'm stressed. Well then, my God, you've stretched out the Holy Ghost that's inside of you then. You're saying that, you're saying, God, I have to have a substitute for you. You may not have the time to see your children grow up. You, you may not be able to climb a set of steps when you're 50. How can you fulfill your calling if you're not healthy? Cardiovascular problems, respiratory disease, various forms of cancer. Well, it's their time to go. I don't believe that. You're not here on this earth to fulfill your mission. 
You're here to fulfill his mission. Only. You're not your own. I read it to you. If you don't believe it, scratch it out, honey. I'm telling you, it's the truth. That's what the word says. Let me tell you something. There's days I would love to pile up in bed. Not really, but I thought it sounded good. Just because you're dead doesn't mean that you're done. And here's the thing. Ask yourself, what causes you to sin? What causes you to sin? Especially if you sin, if you are a repetitive sinner over a particular thing. What causes you to do that? And then that's where you take it to Jesus and you say, okay, I know why this is. My grandmother, my dad's mom, she used to say that she was kindly nervous. She would get nervous sometimes. And, and you know, sometimes people get that way. But why? Ask yourself why. What makes you smoke? What makes you drink? What makes you cuss? What makes you to look at porn? What makes, you, what makes you do that kind of thing? You have to ask yourself, what makes you tick? And then when you do sin, remember that the, the Holy Spirit doesn't exit out of you when you sin. He's there watching every move, every step. Now, I don't believe in once in grace, always in grace, and I think you can lose your salvation if you, you meddle around with it. But let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit is inside of you, more powerful than you, more powerful than a Marlboro, more powerful, powerful than Jim Bean, and more powerful than cocaine and marijuana. But people have coping mechanisms that they have to do it. I don't believe it. It's time to replace your addiction with Jesus. There are spiritual consequences. Sin not only damages our relationship with God, but it also affects our spiritual vitality and growth, hindering our ability to experience the fullness of life that God desires from us. We used to have a, a neighbor. We called him Papa Cox, Jim Cox. And Jim Cox was a deputy sheriff. And he drove a, a was that a Chrysler or was it a Dodge? Diplomat, diplomat. I don't know if you all know this or not, but R.J. Reynolds just cut a deal R.J. Reynolds just cut a deal with Dodge and Chrysler. They said they would buy anything that smoked. What is wrong with you people? Did you not get that? <laughs> what is wrong with you all? I'm joking, I'm joking, but you didn't even get it. So anyway, so anyway, he had a Dodge diplomat, and he smoked like a freight train. John Wright, my neighbor, uh, and, and me would wait on the bus 
at the house. And he would come down and start that car. And he'd get that thing started on a cold day. And he had a cigarette in one hand and he was puking and hacking and coughing in the other. And he would start that car and black smoke would roll out of the back of it and he would rev the engine to be like and then it would then he would get it started and it'd take off running and you know it'd be running idling and warming up he'd go back in the house and he'd quit here he come down the hill puffing and hacking and puking he started back again. Comical. Absolutely comical. So, so, I mean, funny. That's what the dog. I don't even know why I told you that. But, but he drank real bad. And his wife wouldn't let him drink in the house made him drink in the car so his bottle was under the seat in the car and I always wondered why he made so many trips to the car I didn't know that till after he died but he drank himself he he drank and then then he finally got saved he got saved and he quit all that you know and, and, and bless his heart a lot of it it was too late because the damage was done And he didn't have much of a life after that. But it's back when neighbors were neighbors, you know. Back when you needed a cup of sugar, you went and got it. And when your kid missed a bus, they they would take care of them and get your kids for you. It's back back in the days when it was good. Ain't nobody likes to eat any more than I do. But what I've learned in my life is there are some things that I like that aren't good for me. And there are some things that you like that aren't good for you. And you've got to make a decision. You've got to make a decision on it. Here's what I was thinking about. I'm going to come off camera here just a second because I'm going to go upstairs and I'm going to get something. Because here's what people do when they go to the altar. Let's say we're singing 12 verses of just as I am. And you have a problem in your life looking at naked women or naked men. And it's on your hard drive or your computer. This is an old computer that we had that we used to use upstairs. You notice there's parts that are missing on it. But what people do is they do this. They take their sin and they put it on the altar. On your hard drive, on your phone. Not on my phone, 
but I'm using this as an example. Hard drive full of porn right here. Your phone, whatever. And you come up and you bring it to the altar and you beg God for deliverance, which is absolutely one of the dumbest things that you ever have to do. You don't have to beg God for anything. I don't have, I, growing up, I didn't have to beg my daddy for anything. He's our Abba Father. He is our, he is our provider. And we beg God. We come to an altar. Oh, God, deliver me. Deliver me. Deliver me. Set me free. What you don't know is you're already free. Because the cross freed you. You're freed because of the cross. What you got to do is you got to walk up and stand up and walk free. Here's the problem. We go through and we beg God, oh God, heal me. Oh God, set me free. Oh God, do this. Oh God, do that. We wake up and we, walk, we, we get up from our, from our place. We wipe the tears and snot from our nose and our eyes. And we pick up our sin and we take it back with us. And we sit because I love it. I love my sin more than I love God. And then you go to the grocery store. Okay? You got your purse or your wallet or your keys or your cell phone. And you go in Kroger with your sin. Because it travels with you. You don't leave it at home. It goes with you. Garbage in Garbage stays. It's not garbage in, garbage out. It's garbage in, garbage stays. So, you're going to the grocery store. Now, remember, this is full of porn. You go to the grocery store with it. All right? Now, I'm a pretty strong guy, not like some of you, but I'm getting kind of tired of carrying this around. You go on vacation, you go into the ocean, carrying your porn with you. Say, so, no, it's, it's back at the room. No, it's inside of you. It's in competition with the Spirit of God that's inside of you. I'm telling you, you're already delivered. I don't have to grease you up like a pig with, uh, with anointing oil. You're free already. You got to walk in it. Can I tell you something? Leave it right there. And let God clean it up. And that goes for anything. 
I was in a revival meeting one night years ago when I was traveling with the Lordsman Quartet. The man came, got saved. Last pack of cigarettes, he laid it on the altar. Never picked him up again. What are you willing to put at this altar? And I dare you to pick it back up. Everybody's got something. Worry, fear. Put it at the altar. Leave it there. It's not yours. Stress causes heart attacks. Stress causes a lot of stuff. The battle is won. It's time for the church to be the church, not to be the world. This is a place where you come and you get healed. If you're not saved, you come here and you get healed. And you walk out these four walls healed. You go home healed. You go to work healed. And the next time you come back here, you're healed. And you bring somebody else with you that needs healed. And they get healed. People say, well, if I change my life, then I'm going to have to get a new set of friends. No, you don't. Get them saved with you. Oh, I'm preaching to you. And you know who I'm preaching to. So my question is this as we close today. You know, we sing a song, In the Presence of Jehovah. But can I tell you something? You are also in the presence of your sin. And it's time to part company. Then you'll see the church grow. When you see the church start living right, you don't have to have programs for a church to grow. What's healthy grows. You don't have to tell a kid, I got a brand new grandbaby, boy. I don't have to tell him to grow. If he's healthy, he'll grow. Where are you today? What do you need to bring to this altar and leave it there? I'm telling you, you cannot sit back there with a self-righteous spirit and say, well, it's got to be the other person he's talking to. He's not talking to me. I'm telling you, everybody's dealing with something. Bring it to the altar. Bring it to him. And get free. You know, if you've got a computer full of porn... Bring it to the altar. You, you, you got anxiety, depression. You got, you're already free. You're already set free. But can I tell you something? I love every one of you with all my heart. I wouldn't stand up here and do this if I didn't. I want to see you walk the way Jesus wants you to walk. But if you are here and you are lost and you are not saved, and if you knew if something happened to you, you and you died today, nobody has promised tomorrow, but I'm telling you, if you died today, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? It's a simple question. Would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? The Bible says, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. My body may may go to the grave at some point. But my everlasting life never ends. So can I tell you something? It's time for us. It's time for us 
to have a 1 John 1-9 moment. 1 John 1-9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if He's cleansing us from all unrighteousness, then what's that make us? Righteous. 1 John 1-9. You need to have a 1 John 1-9 moment. Let's do it. Stand to your feet. It's time to give up what you are struggling with. The baggage that you're carrying, it's time for you to give it up. It's time for you to get rid of your addictions, whatever it is. Because let me tell you something, they're not bigger than God, and you can kick it. Whatever it is, you can kick it. Because let me tell you something, what you're saying is that God's not big enough. He can't do it. Yes, He can. But can I tell you, He's already done it. All you got to do is walk in the freedom. You know, I love you, every one of us. And I love me too, because I'm preaching this to me. I love me too. The Bible says you need to love yourself. I get along real good with myself. I don't have any problem with myself. God loves us. He does. If you're not where you need to be today, you're not here by accident. You say, well, how do I get saved? You say, Father, forgive me of my sins. You don't have to name them. You say, Father, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and live. Repentance means to turn away from and do something besides that. Where are you today? Would you come? Church people need to come and pray. I encourage you to do that. People want to get saved, come to the altar, and you can accept Jesus into your heart and life. Right here, you say, well, why do I have to come to an altar? Because there are things that need to die in you and me, and an altar is where things are sacrificed and where you die. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Where are you today? Are you where you need to be? If you have fear on you, hit this altar. You have anxiety, hit this altar. You're going through something in your life, Hit this altar. You need healed. Hit this altar. Because you need it. I'm not worthy to call upon your name. God's faithful, is he not? Worry, fear. All my life self-worth. And for that and the thing about it is, you get up, you're different. But I heard that you listen. You need Jesus today? You know beyond a shadow of a doubt you're going to hell? You need to come right here. Do not go to hell. That's not real estate you're supposed to occupy. Do not go to hell. Could you please come down? You can come right to me. I'll help you find Jesus. I know that there are others. Need to kick your pride to the side. Kick your pride to the side and say, hey, I've got to have Jesus. I've got to have help. Hallelujah. Total deliverance in the house, Lord. I think I just hit bottom and I'm looking up to see. I'm unworthy, Lord, to come to you. Could you please come down to me? Mm. 
You don't want to go to hell. You need delivered. I encourage you to do it. I guess Ask him I for help. From the seeds that I, I have sown. sown. Lord, you owe me nothing. We haven't spoken for so long. If you could spare some mercy. I wrote down something here. I preach better than a response. I preach better than a response. But I pray that God does something big with you today. I pray that you change. Allow God to change you. Allow God to do something big in you. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I pray you have a great day. Pray as we continue to see God move in, in Braxton County. Pray as we continue to see God move in Putnam County. And God, and for the, the moving of God that he's going to do in Winston-Salem. Three Campus Church and a, a radio station podcast. Being able to help our communities. That's what God is calling us to do. In Jesus' name. Join us on the prayer call tonight, 8 o'clock. And it's important, it's important that, that we, it's been really skimpy the last few days. There haven't been very many people on there. I'm thinking, my God, I thank you, I'm not dying of nothing. Ain't nobody on the prayer call praying for me. I'm glad I'm not dying of nothing, John, you know what? I bet you if I was dying of something, there'd be all kinds of people on the prayer call. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, God, help our pastor, save him, heal his body, but... Nobody on the prayer call till something bad happens. I know everybody's busy. Ain't nobody busier than I am, and I try to make as many of them as I can because I need it. Have a great day, everybody. Don't forget, next Sunday morning is our Christ's birthday offering uh, that will help um, fund the gifts that we uh, give to the children at uh, Davis Elementary, 40 children. 
So next Sunday we will be taking that offering. Don't forget there's a box outside. If you want to pay the church off, you can write a check. $400,000 will do it. $350,000, do I have any takers? I'm believing, I'm believing. Now I'm meddling. There's a box out there you can put money in. You know, there was a box of, or a thing of pennies out there. thing of pennies out there the other day. $84 in pennies. And you don't count them. Hey, let me tell you something. Don't roll them. Don't roll them. Because the bank will unroll them because there's, I, I was in banking 19 years. So much fraud in, in what people roll. But anyway, um, there's a thing out there to do that, to, to put money in and, and to help pay the church off. And we're believing God to pay this place off and to pay all these campuses off in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day, everybody. Don't forget pickleball, 2 o'clock. Bring somebody. Get ready for David and Tori to whoop up on you. Or maybe David to whoop up on Tori 